1: Welcome back, everybody, episode 215 of the Black Eagles podcast, and I'm your host, Cena Sporting, live from New York City, back again, uh, as normal winter resumes, it was like, absolutely frigid like even the floors of our ha- house were cold for a few days uh, and just as football returns kind of normal weather normal winter it's not warm you know it's not like we're having fun over here outside we're just above the f- freezing you know but at least we are above there we were not for for a solid minute for a good minute or two there uh, and supposedly this week so we're going to get a little sampling of the spring here in New York City. So, hopefully the the, the weather metaphor extends as, uh, as the season progresses. But, you know, it is what it is. Fun little weather metaphor for, for, for now. Just the usual. Um, anyhow. Losing my mind, obviously. Let's talk some Besiktas. It's been a while. Took a little break there. Besiktas took a break. The national team, I, I, I thought perhaps the national side would, would be getting together. Was not the case. No idea what that was about, to be honest. Operation is in effect, in effect as of right now. now. A number of other national sides got together. Canada, for example, looking close to the World Cup for the first time. At least as far back as, I, as I'm aware of. But uh, yeah, our boys Atiba Hutchinson and Kyle Aaron returning actually from their two qualifiers just in time for our match. So they could theoretically feature, though they wouldn't in the starting lineup. I guess let's talk before we even get into that good stuff. <clears throat> We've got some news. And it's some really good news. I'm not gonna do details like financial details and stuff. I'm gonna leave that to Khan, and that's right. I said it, Khan. We've got a hashtag Khan's corner, uh, he's back to talk mm-hmm. Jedson Fernandes, uh, who was a, a highly sought-after player who I didn't think was realistic to, for us to get. So I didn't even mention any of the rumors about it. I thought we were just sort of playing around with guys you know, pulling on their heartstrings a little bit. But sure enough this just in we got him i mean basically it looks like we got him for six million with a big percentage of you know uh, um, profit of the sale going back to benfica if we were to sell him at some future date so i said i wasn't going to give you financials and then i did it um kind of have more detailed financials perhaps but yeah i mean it's it's an affordable deal relatively speaking i mean it's a bit steep for Besiktas on the one hand, but he's a, a proven Super League player on the other hand, yeah, not particularly old, mind you, either. Um, it's probably worth noting that the kid is only 23. So it's helping build the core, right, this core of younger guys. Montero, right, as he rounds into form and becomes a legitimately good Super League defender, uh, he becomes part of that core, right? We've got Ridvan, Ersin. They could be on their way out. Uh, speaking of news, I suppose I'll mention Olympic Lyon are supposedly on the pursuit of Ridvan, in pursuit, rather. He's in pursuit of Ridvan. A couple of other French sides potentially also coming in form, but the only sort of you know, the one that's been recurrent now, and, and there are some numbers even tossed out, was, was Lyon, something like 7 or 8 mil. Well, I mean, we'll see how that how that goes. If, if we have to sell him, it's not the end of the world. We do have Umut Medash, who will return eventually. Um, I guess, theoretically, Fabrice Encecler could return as a backup beyond that, which is the role we could have used him in to begin with. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if we let him go and, and maybe... Looked for a Turkish backup for Umut Medaus Just to not To free up our, our foreign slots A valuable asset these days A foreign slot um, But so yeah Jedson Fernandes In, in, in the mid In the interim well, Since we don't have any foreign slots to give We have loaned him out To Rizespor And so One sort of fascinating note right? He just arrived midweek So obviously they weren't going to give him the start Probably were not really thinking to play him, but perhaps he asks to come in. He steps into a match um, where his side is losing two to nil. They go down three to nil. Like just as he comes in, essentially Balotelli his scores a brace. <clears throat> but just ten minutes later, he would assist Yusuf Sadi, uh, and they would you know make make something of the match. I guess I mean sort of. I mean being down one to three on the road in the 81st minute, it's not making much of it, but, you know, still, good to see him coming in, contributing fairly quickly right out of the gates, Uh, and, you know, in good form, ready to play, right, he hadn't played in a while, so, yeah, I mean, all good signs, and it's great that he'll be playing for us next season, something for us to look forward to, obviously, and, yeah, I mean, all around, just great stuff, right? So, now, quickly, let's talk a little bit about Antalya Spor, who, coming into the match, were in the final relegation slot. Uh, and I don't mean in last place, I mean the the you know the one right above, right rather, right below the line. Um, so they were in the, the relegation zone, I would say are undeservedly right, they're not a bad side when you look at the talent they have. Uh, they got off to a really terrible start, they brought in Nuri Shaheen, who kind of, Brought a little energy, initially, but, uh, you know, they've lost some steam. I guess, first, let's talk about their last five matches, or their previous five before hours. We go back to the Super Cup, ah, the good old days. January 5th, they drew us 1-1 to and then lost in penalties. If you go before that match, just for the sake of getting more information, they had beaten Giresun in the cup 2-1. to so they followed that up by taking us to, to penalties, essentially, and then losing on penalties. But that would be when things took a turn for the worse. Uh, a loss on the road against Guztepe, 4-0. to nil. Ouch. Uh, bringing it home where they draw against Fener, 1-1. One to one. Um, Going down in the 72nd, coming back in the 81st to, make a, to get a point of it. So not bad, right? Still, it's like, okay, maybe they've righted the ship, right? But then they go to Rize, who is a a relegation candidate alongside them, and lose 2-1. Finish Poyan Palo scoring on a penalty, and Gokan Gonul. So a few familiar names. Haji Wright scoring for them. Poyan Palo cooked us, if folks recall. And of course, we all know who Gokan Gonul is. And So then they followed it up, coming home again against Gaziantep. And drawing, nil to nil. I don't know much about the match except to say that the the man of the match was rated as Rude Bofin, Antalya's keeper, so probably not good news for them if we're going to be realistic. Uh, Worth noting in our our head-to-head, which I like to do, uh, my little app here goes back 26 matches with Antalya. Just fairly random, I suppose, but... Uh, In those 26 matches, Besiktas has 16 wins, 5 draws, and Antalya has only won 5 matches. So, 62% of those matches have been Besiktas victories. So, a pretty good record against this side, you would say. And yet, right? Like, not ideal results as far as them taking us to penalties in the Super Cup match. A game where, like, Under Caravelli's supposed, like, Career was on the line, right? They were saying if he came back with those two victories, he would get the job, which ended up being true. He did, although it was again, right, not easy penalties, but okay, we're rolling with it. Now let's talk a little bit about everyone's favorite part of the the, the episode. No, probably not not really accurate at all uh but yeah let's talk a little bit about lineups right i mean this was actually this this is actually an interesting part of the episode because in, in this episode we we have an, a, a changeup. up valley went for the 3-4 they're calling it a 3-4-2-1 you know i don't know exactly how you you line that up i think it might have been more of a three four one two. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. Let's let's just lay the players out and see what we think. So, Ersen was in the goal, obviously. On the back line, Montero, Vida, and Nejip. Which is interesting. Um, on the, as wing backs, of course, Valentin Hozier and Ridvan Gilmaz. Now, we had Pjanic and John Bozdoğan as the sort of back of our midfield. And then, up ahead of them, Emirhan Ilkan and Alex Teixeira. Now, so, y- you could... Debate—it could be debatable that Alex Teixeira was more aligned with Mishi Batshuayi. Some folks thought he might be st- like a, a second striker up there. So again, more of a three-four-one-two. Uh, you know, my app listed it as a three-four-two-one with both of them supporting Batshuayi, uh, which leaves a, a big hole behind the striker. Um, between, like, Pjanic and John Bozduan and the, stri- uh, the striker, Mishiba if, if they're flaring out wide. Although, in theory, I suppose one of them could go centrally and the other one could, could flare out wide when 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 it's necessary or whatever it is. So, you know, again, I'm not sure exactly how these things got laid out. But, you know, you like, I think you, you like to see, I like to see, uh, you know, him tinkering, looking for something new, something that'll work, Right, we've been coming out flat. I think everyone's been complaining about it. So, say what you will about Under Caravelli and, and some of his decisions. But, A, he's tinkering. He's, like, people had been calling out, calling for the three-man back line for a long time. He went for it. And perhaps more importantly, and this is where I'll really give him credit. He's playing, right, he's playing Ersin Destanolo. Francisco Montero, Javi, if you will, uh, John Bozdoan, Ridvan Yilmaz, Emirhan Ilkhan, right? That's five dudes that are quite young. I mean, Montero's 23, but like that's the, the sort of ceiling of this new core of, of dudes that we're, we're, you know, kind of building around at this point, that could we could theoretically be building around. Now, we'll Long talk about whether or not that's actually possible at the end of this episode or at the at least the end of the match right um, so I don't spoil anything but certainly a few of these guys we can we can consider building around uh, and montero is a guy who's had a, a number of really good games this season I think a lot he's, he's earned a lot of fans perhaps so uh, you know we'll see about that I guess but um, as for our opponents Antalyaspor. Rude Bofin and Gol, a man who needs no introduction, 34-year-old Belgian. Yusuf, or sorry, Vesel, Saudi, 33-year-old Turk, next to Naldo, 33-year-old Brazilian, on their back line, Bunyamin Balji, 21-year-old Turk, opposite 33-year-old Gudai Vural uh, on their flanks. So they played a kind of classic 4, 3, 2, 1, or, you know. 4 2 3 1, however, uh, however you line it up. Um, But so, Fernando, 29 year old Brazilian central defensive midfielder, next to Andrea Poli, 32 year old Italian. Ahead of them, Freddy, 31 year old Angolan. And Alassane Ndao, 25 year old Senegalese uh, right midfielder, who is new to their squad. Dogan Sinic, 23 year old Turk, on the left side. And then up top, Luis Adriano, 34 year old Brazilian, also new to their squad. So they had a lot of new additions, Nuri Shaheen, going with more of a kind of traditional uh, tactic, if you will. But so yeah, let's let's dive in, I suppose. I want a sip, sorry. <laughs> so first of all, it's important to note that the fans were fantastic. They came out in great numbers, which I hadn't seen in a long time. Alain Markarian was there, which you also like to see, I suppose. Um, and yeah, just good volume, good uh, fans in general. Very critical of the coach. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not a uh, Under Caravelli defender, though, again, right, like, he mixed up the tactic. He gave folks the tactic they've been wanting with the three guys back. And on top of that, five young guys, right, like, so, I don't know, man, he's kind of checking off a lot of boxes, while obviously, you know, we're not performing to the extent that we'd we'd like to be either, so, there's criticism, no doubt, that, that needs to be sort of tossed his way, but, how much of it, well, I leave that to you, to be the judge, listener, um, let's see, where do we begin? I guess we'll talk about the 8th minute uh, where Batshuayi has a shot deflected and it almost goes in and forces a, a diving fingertip save from Buffon. and on the ensuing corner kick it finds Montero's head and he pings it off the crossbar and we almost go ahead twice in the first 8 minutes of course that just never pans out we never get that early goal somehow we come close almost every match but never quite get it um... Twenty-second minute. Domagoj Vida goes down. We don't know why. Luis Adriano, you know, maybe gives a bit of an elbow to the head. It's not called, anyway. so This could have been disastrous. Luis Adriano then dribbles it all the way up. Stops to pass it into to endow. Javi Montero cuts it out really well, getting back. The only man, the last man back. Saves the day. Uh, kind of cuts it out, and uh, Adriano kind of gets it again and it finds its way to someone who takes a shot, I'm not sure exactly who. Ersin makes a pretty solid save. And so, you know, still nil to nil. shot's from distance, you know, it's uh, it's, uh, it's high. I'm not 100% certain it was going in, I think it was. And he gets up, diving, punches it. So yeah, you know, there's some action here for sure. Uh, it's worth noting that Ersin would do a really good job throughout this first half of coming out and cutting out attacks. Uh, and it's also worth noting that Domi vida was terrible, you know, as far as the three men back concept goes, uh, you know, you, with those wing backs, there's always the potential for them to be going forward and pushing forward, and so when Domi Vita takes a, you know, hits the snooze button or whatever it was he's doing and just decides to stay up, he put us in a lot of trouble very often. Uh, with that said, Lidvan and Rosier also struggled with the concept of, you know, going forward but then making sure to come back. In case, especially if they notice Domingos Vida hitting this news button there. Someone has to come back and give some support. So, there was a miscommunication. They struggled with the, this tactic with the three men back. Not what folks who, who've been clamoring for that would have hoped for. Uh, obviously you can argue about whether or not this was like the ideal lineup for for that tactic but I don't think anyone's complaining too much about the fact that he gave a bunch of the kids an opportunity you know a lot of us were hoping John Bozduan could come in and make an impact Uh, the the kid is a sort of would be a very cheap transfer um, who could be you know flipped for big bucks right I mean he he looked pretty good for a minute or two there but he's also come out flat. He was flat in this match, I'm not gonna gonna lie. Now that we're talking about it, we can dig in a little. Um, Next big moment would be in the 34th minute, a free kick from Pjanic would find the head of Montero. So he, the the free kick is from deep on the right side to the sort of left side of the penalty box where Montero heads it back across the mouth of the goal. Looks perfect, finds domingo head somehow it misses turns out the somehow is that it pings off of the hand of our def- of a defender on there in their camp uh, like I I don't understand this handball thing you know it's the type of scenario where we've gotten that called against us probably three or four times in much less precarious, you know, kind of quote-unquote unnatural or versus natural hand position scenarios. So I don't know how we always get screwed on this, and and somehow whenever it's 50-50 the other way, and I'm not, and I don't even know if this was 50-50. This one seemed like 70-30. It should have been a handball. So anyway, they look at it for a little while. Don't call it. Don't don't call it a, a penalty. I I missed the fight. I, I, I'm gonna keep it a hundred here. That one looked like a very clear handball. But anyway, um, that would be it as far as the half goes, as far as like major opportunities, major sort of highlights. Again, Ersin flying out and <clears throat> doing a good job of clearing the ball a number of times. Like, timing it really well, too, you know? That's been something he struggled with, so... Market improvement. And that's the most thing, that's literally the most you could hope for from a young player. So all the things where he's shown error, to be error-prone in previous scenarios, he's, you know, showing the ability to improve on, which is, again, ideal. ersin Testanova. Legitimate, dude. Anyway, halftime. So we come out of the half. I don't believe that I've missed any major sort of match facts, though I suppose it's probably worth knowing that Naldo got a yellow card in the 34th minute of the match. Uh, out of the break, no subs, and uh, would um, come charging into our half, and Erson cut it out. Cut, would cut it out, um, diving out, making a big save, saving us yet yep. again. Uh, this one notable because you know he actually made it as far as the, the box, basically, you know, inches away from taking it, from getting a shot in. Uh, Luis Adriana would get a yellow card a minute later, fifty-third minute. Luis Adriano would score though because he was like a yard and a half or two yards offside so no, no one's shocked in this scenario that it's called offside. 63rd minute some subs and you know again good timing for subs I think pretty good subs for that matter. Rashid Ghazal on for Emirhan Ilkhan Kyle Laren on for John Bozdoan. Now I thought this was us switching to, to like the 442 or four you know whatever it is that we're, we we typically play with you know with Ghazal uh, and Laren on the wings right John and Emirhan Emirhan out so Alex Teixeira's in so you know I don't know maybe the 4231 what you know whatever that typical thing is where we have Alex in up front whatever um but good subs right like nobody's complaining about seeing Rashid Ghazal come on and Kyle Laren you know he's Theoretically, there's not really another option, For 100% honest. Uh, he's scored a bunch, right? Historically. I mean, we've all, I think, been feeling that he's having a bit of an off year relative to last season, although I think we also all felt that last season was, like, way more than he we should have reasonably expected from him. So perhaps this is the... But so, fine, whatever. Uh, right after Rashid Gazelle comes on, he gets a yellow card. <laughs> Beard. 68th minute. Husam Gacha comes on for Luis Adriano. Goktenez Bayraktar, a name that should scare us. He's troubled us in the past. Comes on for Dorokan cynic Kyle Aaron gets the ball on a perfectly weighted long ball. I think it was from Pianic. Drops into his pad. And then he tries. I, th- I think he tried to. Um, like lob the keeper but from like the outside of the penalty box the keeper wasn't rushing out so it was a bad decision at the very least and if that's what he was trying to do it maybe he just skied it just bad it just a terrible shot which yeah it's impossible but so that would be <clears throat> what looked like a big opportunity gone right after he comes into the match it might have been gazelle who put him on um Blum, 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 blum. What's next? Oh yeah, uh, Joseph De Souza would come onto the pitch for Alex Teixeira. So we're going a little defensive here because they—they, to be fair, they're—they're they're still attacking. That's honestly why I thought we did—we didn't switch away from the three-back scenario until the Gazal and Laren sub because similarly, Arson was coming out and like cutting out big opportunities for them and making you know good defensive sweeper keeper moves for us. So I didn't think that the change had been made, but you know, my, my Scottish twins, I'll trust them, they said that we actually switched to that t- tactic at the half, <coughs> excuse me. And so, you know before even putting in the proper personnel, we are trying to revert. Uh, and you know, we had Nejip in the back of the midfield then, rather, in the, the f- back forward line again. So, you know, if that's true, um, you know, a little bit conservative perhaps, tactically, but you could make the argument that what we saw in the first half was not quite working on the back end especially. Uh, We looked uncomfortable. But again, I I don't know that we settled particularly well in the the second half until about this point where it was about the 75th minute we just took over the match. Wright comes on for Alassane and Dow. Um, Joseph D'Souza gets a yellow card on the 78th minute right after... Batshuai does a really nice job of bringing the ball down and laying it on for Ozan who sends in a shot that's blocked by Naldo. Pretty well blocked, but I think a lot of us might have been hoping Ozan would do more with it. Uh, It was really expertly laid on by Batshuai. I I can't underscore that enough. And uh, so yeah, another opportunity gone by the wayside. Getting a little late in the day. Uh, 78th minute yellow card for Joseph, as I said. 79th minute. Rydvan sends in what looks like a fantastic cross to Batshuayi. Batshuayi puts on what looks like the perfect header. And he puts it directly into the ground. It bounces up. Almost just out of the reach of Rude Bofin. And he has, like again, fingertips. Punches it out. Into the path of Kyle Lahren, who... I don't know if he could have done better with this. If he could have, he should have. So he does a bicycle kick. It actually gets past root ball Fan. Would be a goal, but Naldo is well positioned, and uh, it's actually pretty easy for him to to chest down and make a bit of a clearance with. That was Khan, by the way. That sound on my phone. So I think we're gonna get a soundbite from him after all. Good news. Um, but so yeah, uh, Ridvan. Does a great job of setting that one up. Kyle Laren almost putting it away. Certainly Michi Batshuayi also almost put it away too. And so, yeah, things are getting nervy. 82nd minute again, perfect cross by Ridvan. And this time, Kyle Laren just doesn't get onto it. I don't know, no. I, maybe it's the, the height. It's kind of in the middle where he can't quite put his head onto it without getting maybe crunched by the keeper. Uh, and, and his foot, like I, I think he anticipates the keeper getting there first. But he doesn't. So I mean it, he should have gotten something on the on the on the cross. It was a really well-placed cross. Doesn't 82nd minute here, right? Like things aren't looking good. Valentin Lozier had just gotten a yellow. Uh, Guven Yaltsin enters the match now for Mishi right' Obviously just looking for some energy, right? A different look. Uh, 85th minute Hakan Uzmert comes on for Andrea Poli. Bahadir Oster comes on for Freddy. Vesel Sadi gets a yellow card. Right after Rashid Ghazal does a really nice job. I actually didn't even notice this in the game. I I don't know if I was having a coffee at this point or something. But Rashid Ghazal does a really good job of sort of shimmying around along the wing, cutting back, sending in a really hard cross for Pjanic who just gets a one-touch and just pings off the bar out of bounds. Uh, And it was one of those like just, that's it. Was a perfect synopsis of our day, you know. One inch to the left, and we probably win that match there late. Uh, it just wasn't to be. Instead, it, it pings off the post, goes the other way, and we, uh, you know, we come out of this one with a draw. And that's it. Um, so I said, Vasil Sadi got a yellow. So did Gurai Vural. Guven Yalgin got one. It, both in the same exchange. Ruben Fang gets one for time wasting two minutes into extra time. Miralem Pjanic gets a yellow card in the sixth minute of extra time and then another one in the seventh minute for arguing. I mean, you assume he must have cursed out the ref or something because, you know, he was sort of walking away. I don't know exactly what happened, but it is what it is. He's not going to be available in the next match. Which, you yeah, know, could be worse. It's a cup match, right? And as I believe, as I recall, the, the it crosses over into that realm I mean one could argue the cup is perhaps the most important thing for us now because it's a ticket to the Europa League with that said I mean I think we should be able to beat Guztepe at home regardless I'll be 100% honest Uh, and that's gonna be our next match by the way we're playing Guztepe at home in the Turkish Cup Um, so yeah round of 16 obviously a pretty big match, but on the other hand, Pjanic can rest up for our next Super League match, which is, you know, again, not the end of the world. It's a pretty big one. We're playing Adana Demirspor, who is right above us in the table. We'll talk about those standings in a minute. First, let's wrap up information on that last match by going into the stats a bit. Now, Besiktas had 58% of the ball to their 42. 17 shots, 6 big chances, They had five shots, zero big chances. The XG, by the way, was like two point something to zero point two. So it rounded up to like three nothing. It should have been. Um, So yeah. That's news. Uh, We missed all six of our big chances. They missed all zero of their zero big chances. (laughs) Um, We we had 473 accurate passes at an 84% clip. They had 317 at a 74% clip. Not bad, but uh, bad enough that we should have probably beaten them. We committed 18 fouls. They committed 13. They were sides twice a zero. So, Mishi perhaps not aggressive enough in making runs forward. But uh, he did a pretty good job laying the table for others. Uh, 11 corners to their 2. So, we were more aggressive in that sense. 6 shots off target. They had two shots of a target. We had four shots on target. They had two shots on target. We had seven shots blocked by defenders. So, ugh. Gross. Not ideal. Let's talk about players. And I'll quickly just go through the the guys from the best down, um, all just above 7.0, right? So, like the, uh, the good players from this match. And the highest rated player is. Definitely my man of the match, Javi Francisco Montero. Second best player is probably the guy who could have gotten it, Ersin Destanolo, the only other guy, I think, for that matter. From there, it's Fernando, their central defensive midfielder. Then it's Tomás Vida, who I, you know, they don't account for his mental lapses throughout the match. Then it's Rude Bofin, who made quite a few saves. Then it's Ridvan Yilmaz, who had a great number of pinpoint crosses that should have, one of them at least, should have been put away. Then it's Guray Vural, Nejip Uso, which is interesting. He would, he would, of course, be taken out. Uh, Vesel Sari would be next. Naldo Mirelem Pjanic, who, yeah, I mean, he, he had some decent plays on the ball. That last shot, if it would gone in, would have been nice. Then Joseph de Souza who played fairly limited minutes, so that's interesting. Then Valentin Rosier. You know, Rosier and Edvan started out poor when they were the the in wing back roles, but they got it together for sure by the end of the match. Then Bunyamin Balgi right above the line, and Andrea Poli at, at the vet at the very line at the seven, right beneath Freddy, the a six point nine nine. Mishi Bachruai not quite making the cut. Yeah, certainly not his finest match. Um, let's talk about Javi Montero's stats, cause... Yeah, I mean, man of the match, and let's talk about perhaps why. First of all, 79 for 91 with his passes at an 87% rate. One key pass, in fact. Don't recall that, but so, eh, interesting. He missed a big chance. It was his header which hit the woodwork. We all recall that. He had 109 touches. Wow, omnipresent. Quite a big match for him in that regard. Um, Accurate long balls, four of seven. Not bad, right? Eight recovery, so he came back and did well. Um, Especially, I think, when we're playing three back. He was the one dude who who seemed committed to the concept of um, being back when we needed him to be. He had four clearances, he had a block. Yeah, I mean, all around, it's a fantastic game. I mentioned he had the key stop where he was the one man who got back and cut out their, their... only real dangerous play of the first half. So good stuff from him. Fantastic stuff from him even. Uh, Ericsson two saves, both of his shots faced and that doesn't speak to where he was really fantastic and that was as a defender. Uh, we have the, uh, the sirens coming in. Just in time to ring in. Hashtag Cons Corner. <laughs> the fire department is ringing him in.
0: Hey everyone,
1: Calm here. It's been a long time.
0: Um, a couple things to talk about. Of course, just uh, the Antalya game. A bit of a the tell the, the, the yeah kind of the story of our season. Didn't play horrible, I thought. I know Sinan didn't like the way we played, but first half, I thought Antalya looked really good. Uh, with their new players, Fernando and uh, Luis Adriano, and a couple of others, uh, that are a couple of other interesting signings that immediately um, made our presence felt. And uh, for a while there, I really felt like they were giving us uh, football lessons. But uh, I think it changed in the last 20 minutes, especially when we made subs, when we took off Chan, when we took off Najib, uh, when we took off Emiran, um, when Rashid Gazal came on, of course, Olsan came on, a couple of more experienced players than Jan and Emiran, of course, and then Najib uh, subbed off for Joseph, of course, a big difference in quality there too. And. In the last 20 minutes, I think we should have one. Um, there were two penalty situations. Um, the first one, I wasn't entirely sure about. I did definitely think that he made a movement, a conscientious movement for the ball, but at first glance, I thought it hit his arm, um, his elbow. Sorry, uh, no, no, his, his shoulder. I actually initially thought that he like went up with his shoulder to like dab at it. But then in the replay, from a certain angle, it looked like it was his elbow. I'm going to give the VAR official the benefit of the doubt here, because they did check. And uh, if they decided not to call the referee over, then either it didn't hit his elbow, or there was a foul uh, in their interpretation um, before. Um, But the second one uh which was right at the end just after uh, Bachuai got subbed off and given Yachin came on we had a corner and given basically heads it in the goal and it, it hits an Antalya's four player's arm and that literally prevents the goal whether that's conscientious or not that is always a penalty according to the rules even if it's not uh, if it's not a uh, yeah on purpose it doesn't matter anymore according to the new rules if you block a shot that's going toward goal it's an automatic penalty and a yellow card now the difference here in the discrepancy to the referee is that if he thinks it's a deliberate handball then he has to give a red card but if he thinks it's an un- not a deliberate uh, handball then it's just a yellow but it's always a penalty i don't get why there wasn't a var check here like it didn't look like the like Far was talking to the ref um this should have always 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 been a penalty it's completely unacceptable that this wasn't given but yeah like i said it's it's the story of our season um they don't like giving us uh, anything this season um yeah i mean we aren't good enough to force our will on our opponents and then these types of situations become very decisive i mean in any season even if you're good These types of situations are going to be decisive, but more so in a season where you're not actually that good. Um, We're, what, 20-something points behind Trabzonspor. We've had so many of these dubious situations this season. Um, If we were, like, five, six, seven points behind, this could really make the difference between challenging for the title or not. Uh, But quite frankly, if you... But yeah, if you start uh, adding it all up, I think we easily get to 15 plus points that we just blatantly got robbed of this season. I mean, there's so many clear-cut penalties this season that just have been ignored, completely ignored. Um, We keep getting these similar positions called against us, but when it's... It "Quote unquote," in favor of us, like it seems like far has always switched off or something. Um, yeah, and then of course, to adding insult to injury, the ref is an absolute, complete, complete dickhead. He gives Pjanic uh, two yellow cards in the span of like a minute or two, or, or one minute or two minutes. I don't know. Uh, Pjanic very clearly frustrated with the officiating, as he has been for for a long time. I mean. You can just tell it in his body language. I know there's people kidding, like who make jokes on, uh, on Twitter saying, oh, you know, he just did this to get out of the next match and blah and blah. As you always have these morons saying those things. Um, but you, I mean, it's been all over his body language for months now that he is absolutely appalled by the level of officiating in Turkey. And I, I can't blame him. It's, it's, it's never been good. It's always been terrible malicious even um but this season (laughs) this season i i it's come to such a point where i don't even get why they're doing it anymore you know like we are so far behind there's no chance for us to win the title at this point like why why like what does it matter if we win this game if you give a righteous penalty what 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 does it the difference make why are you still fucking with us every week Every week, I don't know. We've had a couple of penalties recently, which surprises me. But like, I mean, you know, we've been we've been getting penalties, more penalties than we, we that we normally do in the last couple of weeks. I think we got like two in the last, I don't know, six games or something, which is extremely, uh, uh extremely high level, <laughs> high amount for us, uh, just historically. If you just look at, at the data over the past 20 years, the amounts of penalties that we get versus Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, and even Trabzonspor, we're below all of them in, in the amount of penalties. I don't have the exact data, but I, I looked at it uh, a few years ago and it was, it was was the, the contrast was so stark. It was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, it doesn't really change anything. Let's get to some more exciting news. Uh, Besiktas just made their first and only I think winter transfer uh although this transfer um won't really go into effect until the summer um getson fernandes 22 year old portuguese central midfielder uh, of course we saw him in action last season for galatasaray and uh we were quite comfortably ahead at the the winter break last season and getson uh together with, of course, the, the wash list of injuries we had in the second half of the season, was a big reason for Galtzray uh, creeping up on us and almost snatching it from us in the end. He was uh, a breath of fresh air and, and a missing component for, for Galtrai's midfield last season. Uh, their fans are super high on him, of course, so they are absolutely gutted. Besiktas um, took note of his strong performance uh, last season. Um, and, of course, uh, put him on on their wish list, on their transfer list. Uh, Now they managed to strike a deal with Benfica for 6 million, which is uh, the highest transfer fee we've paid since Adam And Of course, we all know um, that didn't exactly pan out the way we wanted. But uh, on top of that 6 million transfer fee, we're also giving away basically 50% of his rights. So if we sell him in the future... Uh, we will be paying um, 50% of that or we will be giving away 50% of that back to Benfica. Uh, at first glance, that doesn't look like a great deal. Um, but, I mean, I think if you realistically want to get a player like Getson Fernandes, um, you know, a player rated as highly as he is and a player that is as young as he is, um, then getting a player like that for $6 million is is a steal, even though that is a lot of money for us. And there's no guarantee for success, but it's it's yeah it's just it's just uh, yeah getting a player like that under 10, 15 million is very difficult in today's market. I mean we tried to sign in him in the summer, uh, and and, and Benfica insisted on fifteen million, and um, now they uh, yeah decreased their price, um, which made me suspicious because I remember very well gets on a couple of years ago was very highly touted very highly rated um actually a friend of mine sent me um a, a headline of a newspaper in portugal i think um i'd have to check i think it was abola um from a couple of years ago uh where basically it said that i think it was probably roughly when when biffy Keiter signed a deal with him or something and it said his release clause is like 150 million which of course uh, is great for for our uh, 150 million-len uh, memes. I actually have to check, and in fact, I'll send uh, I'll send that that front page to Sinan so he can somehow include it in the artwork of the episode. Uh, but anyway, so I was actually kind of suspicious because, yeah, of course I watched him at, at Galatasaray last season, but I didn't watch all of Galatasaray's games. Obviously, I was hyper-focused on Bishiktash and very nervous as we all were throughout the second half of the season. So I, I watched him play, and when I, watched, when I watched him play on occasion, he always looked really good. Of course, he was the main reason that we lost the game against Galatasaray. He was the man with that subliminal, over-the-top, uh, pass to Ryan Babel, who uh, opened the scoring against us in the Telecom Arena match. That match had ultimately ended up making it very, um, very <laughs> tight. Um, good thing that they didn't score one more goal, or we would have been uh, effed. Anyway, uh, gets on impressed there and gets on impressed throughout the second half of the season for them. He just looked like a quality player. Um, what Will he be exactly like, again, I, I can't really say because I haven't watched him enough to make a proper assessment whether he is the, the long-awaited, long-term Atiba Hutchinson replacement or if he's more like uh, a replacement for Pjanic or, you know, Ozan, really. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, he's a, definitely uh, a creative player, and a more forward thinking in terms of true passes and all that. The main thing is, you know, that there's the type of stuff you notice when you watch a player um, at first glance. The ta- the thing you don't notice when you aren't paying close attention, or at least I don't, un- unless I'm paying very close attention, is what's their defensive work rate like? What's their comp- contribution to the team of the ball? Uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's stuff I will still want to see in terms uh, of where he will slot in, what kind of role he will be fulfilling. Is he the Atiba Hutchinson replacement? I mean, we need to keep in mind Atiba, yeah, he played as a six for us, but really he was always kind of the distributor, um, not necessarily the distributor, but like the connection between the connective tissue between the defense and offense. And he did play, like people early on in their early years always said, Oh, you know, Atiba just plays a lot of lateral passes and that is why he has such a high passing percentage. But that isn't true. Atiba actually plays a lot of forward passes, is very involved in uh, in attacks and in building up attacks. And that's also I think why in the last couple of years his productivity has shot up a lot because he started off as a way more defensive player for us. I mean hell he played a lot of games for us at right back in his first season. But uh, And then he kind of got slotted into that central defensive midfielder role uh, together with Vili. And then um, once Shinogunish took over, he kind of took that role upon himself. He became the number 6 and Olsan became the 8 next to him, of course. And then Sosa, the floating 10. Um, but he has played many different roles over the years. So the question is, if you want to say, okay, Gitson, is he a long-term Atiba replacement? yeah he can be but that all depends on what what role of atiba you see because atiba in the last couple of years has been more an eight than a six whereas in you know in, in let's say the last three four years i would say he's been more an eight than a six whereas in the years before that he was definitely more the six so it kind of depends uh in what role he will be replacing atiba but i do think he is ultimately seen as the successor to atiba hutchinson Although, of course, that does not mean for me that Atiba needs to hang up his boots because, you know, I, I want to see the legend um, complete a 10th season at Besiktas, But that's all besides the point. Um, now, the thing where I had my high, my doubts, my hesitation is, look, this guy was so highly rated. He was named when Jose Mourinho was at, at Tottenham. They were naming Getson as one of his transfer targets. And... He has been one of those players that has been floated around, you know, joining Premier League teams and all that. But his career has declined in recent years. For some reason, Benfica have been unwilling to use him. And I thought that was very suspicious and concerning because why would such a supposedly hyper-talented player that potentially has a very high um, future sale fee, why would he... um, why? Why would they be willing? Why would they be so desperate to offload him now? Um, so yeah, that's that's something that concerned me a lot, and I talked to someone about that, uh, to a friend of mine from uh, a journalist from OJogo. Um, and she told me that uh, well, actually, the the reason that Benfica are so desperate to offload him is because there's an issue with his agents. And first thing I thought, oh, okay, so he has a difficult agent, that's great. But no, it turns out that uh, that Benfica and this agent were kind of uh, doing some shady business. Um, and I've heard this, this kind of stuff happens more often than you think. Uh, there's a story on, um, um, on, on De Vrij from uh, when he was at Lazio uh now he's at inter of course there's a very nasty story about him and how his agent basically scammed him so basically what happened there and also here with gets on his the agent represented gets on but also represented benfica without the player knowing um and that basically means that this agent um pockets a lot of money uh basically steals money from the player in order to make sure that he signs for a specific team. So what does that mean? He shields other offers from the player, for example. Like, let's say that Porto are also interested in Getson. Like, he'll, he, he either won't bring the offer to the player or he'll misrepresent the offer just to make sure that he can stall the player at the club that he wants because he gets a bigger cut from that club so obviously after get found out about this he broke with this this uh, agent he fired him but obviously you know Benfica have to act like they don't know what the hell is going on because if they admit to this then they are uh, liable um but yeah so anyway that's basically where the the, the the break happened between the club and the player there and uh, I was very concerned that to get was just a troublemaker or maybe you know a difficult uh, Portuguese player like we've seen so many in the past like Manuel Fernandez and Ricardo Quaresma of course but actually uh, my friend told me that he's a really nice guy and with his head on, uh, a good head on his shoulders so let's hope he works out and uh, that he can leave this nasty little bit of history behind him and that he can flourish in the coming years he's uh, signed a four plus one year deal so um, we can potentially uh, enjoy him for many years to come and uh, yeah I don't have much more to say about it because uh, I'm not an expert on the player, and we'll have to wait and see how he performs for us. He was good at Gladskaya last season for six months. Let's hope he's good for us for the coming five years.
1: So yes, excellent stuff from Khan there. Sorry, I kind of sprung that out on you by surprise. It was good timing let the fdny ring him in uh, but so yeah man of the match javi montero by the way uh to recap but yeah great stuff from khan it's hard for me to really disagree with much of what he has to say but i don't disagree with him about anything about regarding Jetson and it's great news you know, some of the low-key Work that he's done as far as like why he wasn't playing, right? We don't have to worry, it's not that he's not a good player or not highly valued, uh, it's you know, politics. But so, great to hear from Khan, of course. Uh, always great to have a hashtag Khan's Corner on air. With that said, I think it's time to bring us out now. Quickly, I should probably do the standings uh, for. Worth mentioning, Antalya's score has stayed in the relegation zone despite getting a point. Uh, Giresun still is at 26 points, one point ahead of them. Lise at 22 points, three points behind them, then Altai on 21, and Yeni Malachi at 16 in the, at the bottom. <clears throat> right above Giresun would be Guztepe, which is worth noting because that's who we're going to be playing next. Albeit for the Turkish Cup round of 16 match. So will be... I'll be jazzed for that one, no doubt. And right above them, the level on 27 points, Kasim Pasha. And then right above them, you know, Kasim Pasha, by the way, who just lost to Trabzon 1-0. Supposedly some controversy. I didn't watch to be honest. Uh, but Galatasaray drew Alanya 1-1. And so they also now remain just three points above Antalya and And the relegation zone... Uh, not far above them, uh, in seventh place, is Besiktas with 37 points. Uh, we're only one point above Hatay, two points above Gaziantep, and they actually they actually have a game in hand. So they could theoretically pass us, and so we'd be in eighth, which would be somewhat tragic. Level on points with us, but with a goal differential advantage, is Fener. They also have 37 points, Bashakshi here also has 37. Though they have a game in hand. The Konya match, right? That was uh, postponed after the passing of Mahatchalic. But anyway, moving on. Um, Above that 37-point group trio, if you will, that we're in, is fourth place Alanyaspor. They have 39 points. Then third place Adana Demirspor, who I kind of alluded to earlier, had a big one-to-three victory. Mario Balotelli on the on the road there. Or three to one, I guess they, they were at home. Um, so yeah, Adana Demir still turning heads in third place now. Uh, up above them is Spore with 48 points, game in hand. All right, still have that game in hand. They they beat Giresun last uh, on February 4th. So they're keeping pace, uh, just nine points back on, on Trabzonspor. And again, it could be six with that game in hand against Bashkortostan here. Uh, and if that's true, then they'd have 52 points. Sorry, 51 points rather, and they'd be yeah just six points behind Trabzon at 57. So yeah, Trabzon is is certainly still running away with this thing. Uh, 17 points ahead of third place Adana Demir for 20 points ahead of Bashkortostan here, Fenerbahce, and Besiktas. So. Yikes, right? We're not catching them, but who knows who we might catch. Ideally, maybe even third place, but, uh, you know, lock up that conference league. Second place is not entirely out of the realm of possibility. We are only 11 points back, but that could be 14. Remember that uh, Konya has that game in hand. If that were to be true, I think we could pretty much assume that we're not really in competition for second place. So... Whatever, Um, conference league or bust. But again, right, Uh, a strong showing in the Turkish Cup, and we could be in the Europa League, and that would be ideal regardless. So let's hope for that. And that leads to our upcoming match against Goztepe. Huge match, right? Now, head to head, in our last nine appearances, that's all my app has, because Goztepe was out of the Super League for quite a while. Uh, Besiktaş has won seven of them. Gostepe has only won two of them. No draws. This is going to result in three points one way or another. And of course, this is the round of 16 in the Turkish Cup, so that's definitely true regardless. Even if it did end in a draw, then it would go to extra time and penalties. But yeah, seven wins. 78% of all of our matches against Gostepe Has resulted in a Besiktaş win. So a great track record for us. Folks will recall uh, a pretty important victory. Against them on May fifteenth, twenty twenty one, a Rashid Ghazal penalty sealing that victory for us and sealing a title. So let's hope for more good news against Goztepe in do or die, huge matches. Certainly, again the track record is there for us, and let's hope we can keep that run going. Um, yeah, like I said, as far as Ghost Tape goes, you know, not a great season for them. They're in 15th place, right? Just two spots above the relegation zone, just two points above Antalya score. They have 27, Antalya has 25, uh, right? Just one point behind galatasaray today. On the other hand, that's a silver lining, right? They probably never thought they'd be only a point behind galatasaray today, 24 matches into the season, although they also didn't. Think that that would be where they would be, so whatever. Uh, anyway, that's all I gotta say for this match. Follow us on uh, Twitter, at eagles underscore podcast. Follow us on Instagram, black eagles podcast, one word. Follow Khan, our hashtag Khan's corner star, if you will. At Razarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Follow myself, at sir underscore right, underscore a lot, and of course, we will be back. Stay tuned. Post Goes Tepe. And needless to say,
0: let's go, go Basic Bash! Bash!
1: Bash! Woo! Yeah! Let's do it. Lots of seasons still to be played. 14 minutes.